y'all. It's Akko. Woo! And I'm Marcy. <laughs> hey, Marcy. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to. I wanted to tell you or discuss with you. Did you know that there is actually a diversely casted Cinderella movie from 1997? It's a beautiful musical, theatrical, whimsical. Mm-hmm. Whitney Houston is the fairy godmother. Brandy from moesha is cinderella okay um the prince is a filipino man you know um the stepsisters are diverse the stepmother is a tony award-winning actress so and it's known as brandy cinderella no it's actually known as rogers (laughs) (laughs) rogers and hammerstein's cinderella and it's brilliant and amazing um, and if you want to, well, you, Marcy, were there, but if the audience <laughs> wants to <laughs> hear our review about it, you can listen to um, the great podcast, Ink to Film, with James and Luke, in which we we did a little review. So we listened to the, we watched the... <laughs> We read the two most original Cinderella's, although there's, you know, there's a lot more, but we read one from the 1600s, which is like the Mother Goose um, Cinderella version. Mm-hmm. We read the Grimm's, very grim, Grimm's fairy, <laughs> fairy tale version. excruciatingly, cool. actually. <laughs> yeah. And then we watched the Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella and had a great discussion. It was a lot of fun and really beautiful. And if you get the chance, listen to Luke and James. They do a great job of, now, of an analyzing both the books and the film. And if you get an, even more of a chance, watch this movie because it's brilliant and amazing and diverse and lovely so absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah it was definitely one of those movies that i like it, it was like the whiz like people would talk about it and it was like mm. you know so acclaimed i actually i i i might have actually seen it when i was younger but i don't remember like you know I, I don't really remember it that well so yeah so sitting down and being able to watch it with you know at my big age <laughs> like, i was like this is everything and also this movie is not it is not as available as it should be so yes. you know absolutely check it out you know how like we watched it on youtube but i'm sure there's other ways as well to watch it but yeah just really really great movie um yeah and it's a really yeah. good conversation between us and luke and james so yeah check yeah. that shit out ink to film woo yeah. woo um oh also Akko. um I have another collaboration to talk about. If, if you will just, if you will let, if you'll let me. Um, of course. So, I recently, so just me actually. Um, I was on a podcast known as Book Retorts, where um, the two hosts, Sam and Danielle, basically the way their podcast works is that essentially, like every episode, one of them will like watch a movie or like read a book or something like that, and they'll kind of explain it to the other person. So it's kind of like this like fun little game of like them explaining the person asks questions and like they're very silly, <laughs> very ridiculous, and so. I actually was on their show where I read a book called The Disasters by M.K. England, which is like this super, like just fast paced space adventure, why a queer as hell, ridiculous, like just antics abound. Um, and so I read that book and explained it to the two of them. And we just have this like very absurd, raucous conversation about it. So definitely check that out as well. Their episode came out Wednesday, I want to say, and Ink to Films uh, came out on today. So, so yeah, so if you want to listen to Akko, myself, the two of us together, whatever, like there are so many different ways of doing so. So check out these collaborations. And also on our website, if you go to our featured end link, you have a link to all of our collaborations we've ever done. So in between weeks, if you ever want to hear more of us or see how we interact with other people um check that out because yeah. it's cute. so it's cute. Huh, so yes okay so now that we've done all that let's get into the episode hi i'm marcy 
And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. That's right, y'all, from colorful backgrounds. And today, we are taking a rendezvous back to the Harlem Renaissance. Come on, rendezvous. <laughs> part two. It's just a little stroll, a little walk. Right. Um, <laughs> a little strut down the, you know, <laughs> giving you with, that. With part two. Ooh, a stride. Ooh. Anyway, <laughs> The Black of the Berry by Wallace Thurman. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Part two of that. So, um, Marcy, we, we've kind of been hanging out in the Harlem Renaissance a lot recently. We have, actually. And so if y'all are like, what the fuck does that mean? Here I am to explain. So <laughs> recently, we collaborated with Curtis from I Found This Great Book, where we talked about Zora Neale Hurston's A Gilded Six, The Gilded Six Bits, I want to say it's called. Look at me being like, oh, what's it called? It's like, girl, weren't you on the... Uh, <laughs> anyway, so so we did that, and it was sickening. So y'all should absolutely check that out. We'll definitely link it in the show notes. Yes, it was a good time. Very fun. Curtis is once again so lovely and great, and has the most soothing of voices. So absolutely, and also, I mean, uh, you know, since we talk about collaborations or whatever, uh, we also <laughs> collaborated recently with Black Chick Lit, and we were on their podcast where we talked about Cinderella is Dead by Kaylin Barron, and it is a it is a hoot, y'all. It is. It is just. It is a time. So yes. definitely, definitely check that out as well. You know. So they were on our show, you know, a while back. So we just returned the favor. So yes. Yeah, we're just mm-hmm. virtually jumping around to all these podcast parties. Um, right. Exactly. From like, the really. safety of our homes. Right. <laughs> wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we're not wearing masks like while recording because we're at home. But if we weren't, we'd be doing that. We um, would be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? The PSA amount announcement is now over. Um, it's over. But speaking of PSAs and collabs, but not really any of those things at all, I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> What's your question, love? Yes. So, <laughs> oh, my heart. Okay. Anyway, so in the Black of the Berry, one of the characters states that people have to feel superior to something ellipses and it's much more pleasing to pick out some individual or some group of individuals on the same plane to feel superior to Mm -hmm. and this is almost necessary when one is a member of a supposedly despised mistreated minority group so i wanted to ask do you agree do you think that people have to feel superior to others someone or maybe something and if so why hmm I okay, so as as far as like is this like a necessity? No. Mm. I, I don't think it is. I don't think you like there's like a compulsion or like a need to to feel better than someone else. I think it just depends on whatever your what your values are, honestly. I think, you know, especially underneath like white cishet, you know, capitalism patriarchy bullshit like it it, we very much have a very like tiered and hierarchical way of seeing ourselves and how we relate to other people and where people feel as though their power comes from you know external validation external resources um you know things like like institutional influence things of that nature things that are like completely outside of themselves in a way that really Mm. divides them from other people i think if you're someone who your value like the way you assess yourself is not by that metric is not one that's based in inequality is not the one that's based off of like oh like this zero sum game of like only some of us can win and whatever whatever if you don't have essentially if there if there's not necessarily like a scarcity there 
then no, I, I don't think that's the mm-hmm. case at all. But I think it's just one of those things where like, yeah, like unless otherwise like assessed or redirected, I do think for a lot of people it's like, okay, well, the the social you know the social system like system and situations like this so i'm gonna just like find my part and like do my part and like you know like carve in where i can where it's like but also we don't have to like squeeze ourselves into this this doesn't have to be how we see ourselves too so but i but yeah i think for some people too you know when they go through their day-to-day lives and like they experience so much marginalization discrimination like stigma all these different things like it is easy and frankly kind of tempting to be like, okay, well, I mean, at least I'm better off than this person. And it's kind of like, but that's not, it's not, to, even if sure mm. your situation might be a, a little better than someone else's. It's it not to look matter. at that. Right. It doesn't, it's not to look at the other person and be like, look at that girl. On, look, look at that bitch on the ground. And I'm just, you know, like, on t- it's like, that's not <laughs> that who wins. You know what I mean? You're like someone still, and I'm right. like about to be in the quicksand, but I'm not in it yet. Exactly. <laughs> so. It's like, Oh, like I, I'm not like that person. Just in quick. It's like, but you're not, but no one like that person's still in quicksand you're still about to be in quicksand so what the fuck one and then two is just like no one should be in quicksand at all like we should just not be like why are we even doing this why are we subjecting ourselves to this um also i feel like quicksand was something that was really a really popular motif in the 90s and like 2000s but i don't hear anyone Mm. talking about quicksand anymore and now i'm starting to wonder is quicksand real no that's I actually don't know anyone who has had an anecdotal That's what experience I'm saying. with quicksand. quicksand. So not to say I, it's not real. Anyway, Google this, y'all. Like we, I'm pretty sure it's real. But you're right. As far as like storytelling, I feel like every like cartoon and show was like, and then I fell into quicksand, and then they have to right. like pull them out of quicksand. And I'm like, they just kind of dropped it. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. What happened? I'm like, did it cease to exist? Did it never exist? I, I don't. Like, I bet the kids now are like, quicksand? That's a concept? I don't know. Maybe when the world's a dumpster fire, quicksand's the least of your concerns. Right. (laughs) It's like, the world's literally on fire. Like, honestly, like, do we have time to talk about this shit? But also, too, I think it's just, it it was also weird, too, because people were like, oh, yeah, girl, if you're ever in quicksand, like, don't, like, try to, like, run out of the quicksand. You'll just sink faster. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do then? They're like, oh, just sink less fast by doing nothing and i'm like so you're still gonna sink regardless it's just the the speed at which you sink is different they're like correct and i'm like so how do you get out and they're like hopefully you got a friend with you and i'm like but aren't wouldn't they need to move to also get you out wouldn't you have to move if they are pulling on you your body would move right so wouldn't by like in theory make you sink and they're like you know what (laughs) i actually yeah and i'm like did i just did I just break like the everyone matrix. just starts like sh- everyone just starts like short circuiting and I'm like okay like let me just let me just <laughs> take a like, step back. <laughs> what do we need? Why do we need like everyone like right? We all heard the solution for what to do in quicksand. That is not something many of us were going to run into in our life. You know what I mean? Like why did we both right. know this thing about quicksand and then also know the solution to get out of quicksand when this is not applicable right. to anyone? Meanwhile, when it comes to like, you know, the details of like home ownership, right, like credit, (laughs) like how to, you know, like take care of your credit score. Like, I don't know, like what, like just like things like, I don't know, like just like life shit, like paying bills. It's like, oh, yeah, girl, like none of that. But, ooh, if ever you're in quicksand, I'm like, it's all a hoax. It is all a hoax. (laughs) Y'all bullshitting for real. I'm sure there's quicksand somewhere. It's just anyway, but um, I'm sure the also, quicksand community this, is like, are you fucking serious? Like y'all are really like erasing my experience, and I'm like, that's that's fair, and you know, we we, you we know, apologize. We we apologize. Um, 
Well, I was going to say that much like being either sinking slowly or sinking quickly, that's kind of what, you know, colorism is, right? Like, mm. oh, okay, well, one person. Anyway, but um, it, the, back to the question. I think that, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's I took us on the, the journey, but I think that superiority is something that we call necessary as a way to excuse ourselves from examining what we Ooh, both teach say that. ourselves and others and what we internalize. Like, what exactly what is the survival skill of feeling superior? In fact, I think in a lot of ways it hinders you from like collaborating with people who are different, who could add something to your survival group if we want to go that mm-hmm. direction. But also just like on a basic level, what exactly is gained by superiority? I, I think like what exactly do you get out of it? Except this sort of, I'm. Um, it's like, um, what's it called? Like a, a Band-Aid or a soothing thing, right? It's it's mm-hmm. soothing to feel superior, but it doesn't give you anything, right? And maybe right. you could say it's like a offset of having a higher position is to feel superior. Maybe, but it's all a fool's gold, right? It's all Oof, like, like you gold. live and you, <laughs> I don't know, you live, you, whether you're rich or you're poor, you live and you die like everybody else. So what exactly right. is so superior about you? I, I guess you could extend your lifetime fine, but I think we're just chomping at, at, at bits of crumbs. Um, mm. I, yeah, so I, I think that, and it's not to say, I think superiority is something we feel in, at the exact moment when we feel inadequate. Oof. Um, or when we need, when we've trained ourselves to look at a certain thing as what gives us power and value. And in that sense, mm. we are, in fact, the weakest because we need something else to tell us that we're worthwhile and we can't seem to do it ourselves. Yeah, so I don't know. I think we use I think we use the idea of necessity. I think we do that with a lot of things. We're like, well, uh, you know, men are just horny creatures and that's why they're violent. And you're like, I don't mm. I think we're all more nuanced than that. You know, people like to feel superior. People have to feel prejudiced because that's mm. how we survive. You're like, you're saying a lot of needs and have-tos and necessities. And I've the the only thing I've really learned about the human experience is that they can be a lot of things. They right. can be whatever. In fact, we are so like almost like we are exactly what we choose to be. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And and granted, like I think we're also a reflection of the choices of people who came before us. But that's exactly it. Like we are either the choices we're making that moment or the product of the collective choices made before us. But at no point mm-hmm. are we required to be anything. I don't know. Anyway, so I think oh, yeah, definitely. The superiority is kind of a I don't know, a red herring. Yeah. And I feel and I think you bring up a really good point because I feel like there's a lot of just like just i don't know these like these attributes or these these artifacts within like this kind of like white cultural ethos that people just sort of like aggregate and they're like oh it's just human nature like it's just like oh yeah. like it's just human nature that we do this or it's human nature that we colonize it's human nature mm-hmm. that we enact this kind of violence like people will be like oh like humans are just innately violent and i'm like no one is an, like what are you what what are you talking about like this is not like right. who, like who is making this definition and who was like like who gets who has the privilege of even like saying some shit like that right like it's just like right. i mean sure like there is a lot of violence in the world but it it doesn't have to be this like i don't, i it refuse to, to believe define that define us yeah exactly, it doesn't have to be like this innate part of who we are i think systems facilitate violence i think history facilitates violence. i think a lot of just un, like uh, unexamined dynamics can facilitate scarcity. violence scarcity facilitates violence i think a lot Ego. of things can facilitate right uh, but it's not 
He's like, oh, you're just we're just going to be violent. Nothing to do. And I'm like, fuck all that. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, well, it's, it's not. aggressively no. not true because there are a thousand moments that are exactly the opposite of that, right? Where people right. could lean towards violence and they decided not to. So why are those not also what we are innately? Because we chose to be that way. Well, you chose to be. You, that's the other thing, right? If you right. if you say that being awful is innate and it's a struggle to be good, right? Then you give yourself the leeway to be awful when, in fact, in actuality, it is the choice to do either it's good or a evil. Yeah. Um. Now, again, we're talking about circumstance. There are circumstances. We're not trying to like, you know, like if you're thrown into a certain circumstance, what good and evil is at that point is you know subjective. So right that situation you know i don't right, want people right. to feel like oh no it was a terrible situation i made a bad choice and it was my choice and it's my fault no no that's not what we're saying yeah um but yeah so summary <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay y'all so we're gonna you know take a little break um mm-hmm. and then we'll get back and yeah do this summary it's gonna be Woo. cute Woo. Did I also just say woo? What? (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Woo! So, yeah, so now we are going to get into the second half of Black or the Berry. So last time we read parts one and two, and this time we're going to just be talking about parts three, four, and five. We're not really going to differentiate, you know, which part is which, but, you know, just for those who might be reading along. So starting with part three. So we're essentially introduced to this young man named Alva, who is half black, half Filipino, and he lives in Harlem with his friend Braxton. Um, The two of them kind of have this, like, Sort of like they like they kind of read almost like college kids. Like they're just like yeah. young and like, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, granted, neither Party of them are right, drink. like, woo. Um, so you know, like neither of them are well, okay, Alba's not in college. Braxton is supposed to be in college. The, the Columbia University, by the way, <laughs> right. but he is just decidedly not in college. He's like, Girl, I'm good. And I'm like, but sweetie, did, did Columbia give you a bag? Like, can, can I have it? <laughs> so you're just, <laughs> right. you just, you're just not, you're just, you're just gonna not go to Columbia? But okay, Braxton. Anyway, so we're introduced to Alva and Braxton, and then we're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then, like, there's just, like, an immediate pivot to, like, Emma Lou, and I'm like, so I'm gonna just assume that Alva and Braxton are coming back? Otherwise, it was kind of like, okay, so we just introduced <laughs> these two random characters for no reason. So, yeah, so now, pivoting, we <laughs> we're pivoting to Emma Lou's perspective, and so, yeah, so last time, as y'all remember, she tried to find a job, and it was, like, just really hard because colorism and bullshit um but she has since been able to find work as a maid slash stage assistant to a woman named arlene strange who is a white woman that does blackface in like um in vaudeville skits because mm. i guess the early 20, 20th century they're like oh yeah girl like we love racism and i mean we also love racism now but i'm like y'all just y'all y'all just didn't give a fuck for real <laughs> like at all um real, y'all have a whole ass black actors and actresses and meanwhile y'all are just okay that's fine so anyway so Emily throughout all of this, she kind of like see she like sees Arlene act and all of that. And she's like, oh, like this seems like kind of interesting. I think acting could be like a really great form of freedom, but colorism. Yeah. So that's not really like a lane that she can explore, unfortunately. So moving on. So one night, Arlene's brother, who is otherwise like a, like the Truly. least relevant of all the people, um, mm-hmm. invites um, Arlene and Emily to go out to this like club. 
And it's like this like, you know, club in Harlem, you know, folks of like all, a bunch of different races, just like, you know, hanging out, dancing, all that shit, whatever, whatever. But they're there to experience the culture. Yeah. They're like, ooh, yes. like, mm. and I'm like, I mean, Arlene over here doing blackface. So was anyone surprised? No. Okay. Right. So anyway, so they're at the club and um, Emily was just kind of like, you know, looking around, whatever, whatever. Um, basically, she locks eyes with, um, with Alva and <gasps> the two start dancing together. And so it's like super cute, whatever, whatever. It's a little weird because after they dance together, Alva goes back to his group of friends. It, you know, in the group is is Braxton, and I don't know. They're just like kind of giving her these like sort of wry smiles and like this kind of like giving like kind of giving like a like a sort of mocking energy. And I'm like, okay, yeah. this is gross, but whatever. Um, but ever since then, Emma Lou was like, she was sporung. She was like, I met this bitch at the club and I'm obsessed. I love this bitch. I, we, we must <laughs> reunite. And Alva feels the same way, actually, about Emma Lou. But mm-hmm. he's, you know, surrounded by this, like, colorism dynamic that makes it such that, like, I guess, like, around his boys, he's like, oh, like, I don't want to, you know, be too open about that. But, like, I, like, on the low am feeling Emma Lou. Which, by the way, Emma Lou, I know you can't hear me. I know I am saying this to you several decades, <laughs> almost a century later, but you do not, you deserve so much better. You actually don't deserve someone who is tepid about you at all. Mm, but, you know, guys. just go drop that in there. But, anywho. I feel like Emma Lou was like, oh, my God, a podcast from the future is telling me a fictional character from the past to love myself. I feel that. And this will lead to my awakening. And <laughs> anyway, it, that didn't happen in the story. <laughs> Don't put not. that in your book report. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's not canon. Um, but basically, yeah, so around this time, so yeah, so Emma Lou is trying to like reunite with Al- Alva, all of that. Um, around this time, she also tries to find a new place to live. And she also starts bleaching her skin um, to look lighter. I guess maybe partially in preparation for seeing Alva, but also just like in general, just like the general like hatred she's received. So anyway, fast forwarding one night, she's able to, so she goes to the club again and finds Alva again and they reconnect and start dating. Also, it was like kind of a gag. Cause like, so Emily was at the club with Loki, somebody else, but like, you know, they were like dancing. She was kind of like, girl, like, I mean, I could two step with this bitch, but I'm not really pressed. And then she saw Alva. She was like, Ooh, girl, hold up. And she like, ran over to Alva to start macking immediately and I guess her kind of date but not really like ran over to was like hey like I'm here too and like he's like unnamed and irrelevant and like really she's like like Alva's like who was this and she's like girl I don't know like they just like start dancing and I'm like so he's just go completely like he just like go, like come and then ba- he basically faded into the background just faded into dust really? so I was like that is um that is uh that is um truly <laughs> yikes so so yes so at this point you know they like dance again they start dating officially it's this whole thing granted it's a little complicated because alba doesn't really introduce emily to his friends because again they suck and so they like you know hang out in parks and things like that and so one night actually i forgot how this happened but alva got invited to this like outing with a bunch of these like quirky black intellectuals that even he didn't really know that well but he was like well girl i don't really know them so emily can meet them and if they suck girl it's not that deep because these aren't even my mm. friends for real and he was like they seem like a you know like an open-minded bunch like maybe they wouldn't be bothered by the fact that she's dark-skinned and so you know so she so he invites her to to this so they're having like a little pregame or whatever so like i was there emily rose up and it's like a bunch of different people and it's interesting because it's a largely black group there is like one random white man but like he's kind of like inconsequential oh, yeah. to the story but they're having this conversation about like 
colorism among black people. And basically mm. they, they were kind of having this discussion about how kind of, kind of what we were talking about earlier, actually, how among black people it's one of those things where it's like you're already black. And so people kind of like try to grab onto some modicum of like superiority over other people. And so people who benefit from having lighter skin will kind of use that privilege and like leverage it to, you know, discriminate against darker skinned people and all of that. And they're having this and like the conversation wasn't what they were saying wasn't necessarily the problem. I guess it was just like the tone of how they were talking about it. Like they were just very like disconnected, right? Very academic, very heady, very detached in a way that also too, like Emma Lou was like, definitely i want to i'm pretty sure she was like the darkest person in the room and so and like mm-hmm. i'm i think the conversation was largely being had by lighter skinned black people so it's kind of like okay y'all are having this discussion you're allowed to have this discussion but like the tone y'all seem real detached and emily was like how are y'all able to talk about this so like yeah removed Something's and we, so like, awful such, exactly yeah. and like she like they were just so matter of fact and she's like this is literally ruining my life even currently right here it's At ruining my life and yeah, exactly life. and it was weird because it was like she was like are they is this like some weird coded way of making fun of me like are they like like is everyone just like low-key looking at me while they're like it was just it was so uncomfortable and i was over here like oh girl permit another drink oh bitch keep talking like literally um like not peeping any of this just like just kiki yeah. whatever so i think at was one like, point yikes. he like tries he's like not everyone's like that and you're like okay but that's can you I don't know. So Do you you just did like a not all black people, like not all light skins. Like, are are you serious? <laughs> Is that really your contribution, Alva? Okay. So anyway, they down their drinks and go to this club. Um, also, club- you also are one of those people because you say terrible things about her when she's not there. So actually correct so alva is literally the problem there's the problem and there's alva and they're congruent they're the same, they're the same circle so <laughs> they actually overlap they actually i mean just look at the problem and it'll just be alva from wallace thurman's black <laughs> the berry like literally like that bitch is the problem the problem incarnate is alva anywho so they down their drinks and go to the club and okay so the club not, not, lit. okay not for nothing the club sounded lit as that's hell what I'm saying. And also, <laughs> like, it felt like every it was like different groups of people like you're saying they're like i don't know they're like i'm to be fair i feel like some of the like comments were like kind of suspect but there were like a bunch of different types of people you know mm-hmm. like everyone was hanging out i don't know it kind of felt like a fun america to be honest oh absolutely like it was like these like live performers everyone's like dancing their asses off like people were just mm-hmm. like and it's like this sexual energy abound like everyone's just having a good time mind you there is food at the club they literally had That's an intermission they were like girl if y'all want some food there's food in the back come back out we can like i'm like if the club had food i would That's i would be I'm there saying. every weekend like what you mean what <laughs> so the club sounded it lit than a motherfucker different place that's what i was yes like, yes that's exactly what you need to do because there's a lot of sweating over here but mm-hmm. there's food over here. God, i just I exactly so people. even even if you don't like dance you could just get you some food kiki with the girls like it just sounded lit it oh, it was such a mo- it was such a moment so uh, anyway that was my experience reading this but emma lou i guess had a different experience reading this because she was like there and she was like this is a lot people are just like dancing real you know suggestively and i'm not, I'm not really used to kind of, like all of this i think it's just emma lou's not necessarily Necessarily, that kind of expression she just wasn't necessarily used to, wasn't really comfortable with. Also, I, I think there's a layer to, yeah, there was a layer to. What'd you say? In like internal sexual repression. I think that, but also too, I think um, like while everyone was there, people were like drinking and stuff. And I think Emma Lou is not necessarily someone who, she she doesn't really drink a lot. Or I'm not sure even mm. if before that she ever drank at all. And I remember actually the first time I ever went to a party where people were like wasted and I was sober. It was kind of overwhelming. I mean, I, you know, I made it work. But, you know, it's just like, it can be very, very overwhelming. So I definitely understand, like, not to be like, I mean, but, she, you know, like, not, not to give you all that. You, but anyway. And, and Emily's quite young. She's yes. She's 21. 
Yeah, so maybe. super young. And I think at the, at the same time, is prohibition a thing right now? I, maybe. Is it? Um, that's a good question. We're, are we in the Harlem Renaissance or are we a little after the Harlem? Because it was like the 1920s. The when was prohibition? It was in the 1920s, but it ends by the... Yeah, I think prohibition might be happening right now. Okay, that actually that would actually make a lot of sense if if it was like okay, there's prohibition going on and we black and y'all out here wilding, you know, like it's just like okay, I can understand being mm. like, girl, I'm real uncomfortable for real. But Especially um, if you grew up in what Boise, Idaho, yeah, Boise, Idaho, or like fucking Utah, where did she grow up? Like Wyoming, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, but, uh, like I think she has like those internalized ideas of respectability from her parents, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, she's already almost like on the edge of not, you know what I mean? Like she runs from this like lower class status because she feels like her dark skinness already puts her in anyway right. I'm interrupting the summary continue you're fine but um but yes so it's a weird experience she's like girl i'm not really i'm not really i'm not really fucking with this so they leave and um so emily so despite all this she's like drunk so she like goes back to her apartment whatever whatever alva lets her in because like you know she's like wasted the next day her landlady comes in and is like you gotta get the fuck out because you came in yesterday drunk as fuck with a man oh my oh my God, and I was Ooh. like, "That is um, is he gonna kick her out? Like, so, so she gonna lose right. her home over this bull? Are you serious?" But um, I guess this is like a respectable institution, so I guess Emily was like, "Girl, whatever." Mind you, Emily was like, "Wait, hold up, hold up. If I gotta move, mm. I mean, Alva, I mean, we, we can just live together, and we can get married, and it's gonna be lit, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a party, it's gonna be great." What's her plan? Alva yeah. was like, "Ooh, I can no. help you find a place to live." Oh, mm. let me help you find you an apartment. But um, my apartment and your apartment, they will not intersect, actually. <laughs> She's going to be different. <laughs> so that's the tea, unfortunately. And so Emily was, like, definitely upset about this, but, you know, doesn't really make it super known. Then they, so fast forward, they go to this club where, like, how do I even theater. describe it? It was like it was like a midnight show is what they called it. And so basically yeah. it was mostly I'm pretty sure it was mostly black people in the audience. Um and it was like a bunch of different like it was like it's supposed to be like this comedy special where like people were just like performing and like playing music and doing skits and all this other shit. There's a lot of blackface. There's a, a lot, lot of a lot of like stereotypes about like dark skinned black women, like just mm. a lot of just real fucked up things and happening. Disgust. A lot of disgust towards black women. Exactly. And it's weird because at first Emma Lou was actually having a good time, but then all the like all this like all this like really awful sh- shit started happening and she was like, I'm not having fun. Right. So she leaves and she's like, Hey Ava, um, I didn't really enjoy that. I didn't really have a good time. I felt like it was really uncomfortable. And then when I tell you, Alva blew up for no reason. He was like, uh. oh my God, like you always just make everything about color and like race. Like you're just so, so obsessed. Like, oh my God. And then Emma Lou's like, so you're giving me a lot of energy. All I'm expressing is that you have a tendency to bring me into spaces that are a little uncomfortable. If we're going to be dating, I would like us to be in spaces where people are a bit more conscious of like, you know, their biases, where I, as a dark skinned black woman, am not being like targeted in this way. And he's like, oh my God. And I'm like, okay, so <laughs> Alva, you were out. so, like, you were so goddamn OD. And then like, she, he took her back to her apartment and they're like trying to have the conversation more and he was just like oh my god you know what like i'm just i'm just so over this like you were just you were just so negative and oh my go to hell like he literally said go to hell and i'm like alva 
don't let me run into your ass on the street because I got some words for. I know you're. Mm-hmm. I know you're a fictional character. I know you do not exist beyond <laughs> these pages. But whoo, you got me so. I'm like, you are so. Don't be. Wesley's like, let me jump into this book. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, shit. Let me. Let me actually. Can I can write I a add fan to book? Fake? Can I just be like, <laughs> you're like, and then Marcy jumped into the book and like literally, in the face. <laughs> like literally part four point five. Marcy, boom, and then it's like literally me <laughs> jumping in and like intervening because like you got me fucked. Up. Anyway, so it's just really fucked up, and so this happens. He leaves, and then it kind of go- it shows like what happens when he like gets to his apartment. So okay, so there's like a woman named Geraldine who I don't know. I don't. I did not know who the fuck this was. She really wasn't in part one and two. She like she wasn't really not rep- really. I'm sure- like she, her name. I would like. She was one of those characters where, like, when they said her name, I was like, I have seen that name before. If it was right. from the book or just in life, it was unclear. <laughs> but I heard it at some point before, and they're like, so Geraldine. So Alba gets I home. I thought Geraldine's she was Braxton's there. boo, but maybe that's that what was I thought. Oh, that yeah. he was telling Emma. Um, yeah, because he was like, oh yeah, Braxton has a girlfriend named G- Geraldine, but I guess it was it, like she was his girlfriend. Mm. Also, Braxton left like two weeks ago because they had a whole, had a whole falling out, which like whatever. So yeah, so, so Geraldine's fun. like pregnant and i was like oh my god and there's that and i was like emily girl you you dodged a bullet sweetie you dodged a whole bullet but um Mm. now i can continue what happens next (laughs) it's true so yeah yeah she kind of does but then she like runs back into the bullet which i look we've all done it so I mean, so, listen, uh, we've all been there. I mean, I'm not, truly. I cannot even part my lips to judge. <laughs> Lord knows. <laughs> Facts. So Alpha and Geraldine stay together to raise this child. And at first they're kind of, kind of excited about it. But then the baby's born with the, I mean, yeah, not really. I think it's kind of a Luke. Yeah, I think that's true. That's a good expression. That is exactly how they felt. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, happening. why not? Why not? Yeah. But then, Oof. so the the child's born with with a couple of disabilities. What's the doctor's like? Okay, you just need to the the the, the kid's arm is like shrunken and their legs a little shrunk shrunken. But the doctor's like, okay, but if you like massage it every day and like put a brace on it, um, this child actually will be fine. And then they're like, nope, we're too disenchanted with life and each other and this baby. And they also like tacitly consider infanticide, which yeah. I'm like, is there a mixture of like postpartum here, but also like lack of social service to a system but also like, i don't know there's like but also like i also your own choices like you know you can't fantasize it's a very serious thing um yes. anyway so yeah. they also fantasize about leaving each other and geraldine secretly thinks that alva is gonna leave her first mm-hmm. so it, like low-key becomes this like amazing race to see who can leave the <laughs> other person first it's a right mess. and apparently they're like well, they don't fight they make up in their fights really quickly because they're afraid that the other person will use that as an excuse to leave them but also <laughs> yeah i'm just like that's <laughs> interesting <laughs> but then it's alva a goddamn is, mess <laughs> yeah it's a mess oh alva is becoming more of an alcoholic to the point of destroying his stomach lining and doctors are like mm-hmm. okay if you don't stop you're going to die yeah uh, meanwhile emma um, after Arlene decides she's going to Europe to do European things, I guess, mm-hmm. um, she finds Emma a job <laughs> with this rich white woman whose husband and the the woman's actually apparently like fine um, and not fine, like fine, but like fine, like she's a fine person. Right. No one needed that clarification. <laughs> Literally no one. Anyway, like, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, and her husband seems like, interested moderately in the black experience but in that spectacle kind of academia way so he's like 
Right. You, I don't know. You know, like people, I don't know, whatever. He's like, yeah, you're people, smart and whatever. And they have conversations. And I guess they're like friends. I use the term loosely, but he's like, you yeah. should go to teaching school. And she's like, yeah, I guess. So she moves into the YWCA, which I didn't know. Apparently back in the day, you could just live at the the YWCA or the YMCA. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. But anyway, that's a social service that we no longer have that we should probably have. Anyway, so she starts <sighs> teaching school at the Teachers College, which is part of Columbia, which Braxton is decidedly not at, as we know, because he right. doesn't go. But anyway, so she, she means, well, we like can't get over it. We're like, I'm sorry, you you could have gone to go. You just did. Well, okay. What's crazy is like there's a subplot where his like aunt and mother come by and they're like, Braxton, we're so excited to hear about your freshman year. And he's like, Ooh, I didn't start my freshman year. And they're like, uh, We we gave you free money to go. And he's like, I know that you said that I should go and that you gave me free money to attend, but I'm also not there. And you're like, interesting. And then they go home and then tell everyone that he had a great freshman year. And I'm like, oh yeah, y'all, there is a, there is a very short timeline to this lie that you're all perpetuating. Oh, I'm like, y'all, y'all know that it can only last for so long. It like, right. it's literally, like, it's like, I'm, Braxton just fucking it up in school, y'all. And it's just like, yeah, but is he? it's gonna be, it's y'all know that Braxton is you, you cannot just make up a diploma. Like, it's not... Okay. okay. But I think there's a lot here about appearances over substance. But anyway, that's oh, not the point yes, of the summary. So anyway, she meets Gwendolyn. And Gwendolyn is decidedly not a colorist. And her mother, like, raised her not to be colorist. Or at least in theory. And so... Uh, in theory. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she's light-skinned, but she doesn't... She, like, criticizes light-skinned people for, you know, their colorism and thinking they're so much greater than everyone else. But she also criticizes mm-hmm. Emma for wanting to date a light-skinned man. She's like, why get in a tizzy about... A tizzy? A tussy? A tizzy. Mm-hmm. About light-skinned men. And, you know, it's not, it's not that great. Mm-hmm. Emma is not listening. She decides to date this man named Benson, who I don't know if Benson is actually mediocre or if Emma just <laughs> thinks he's mediocre. <laughs> it is unclear because Emma has a lot of choice words for a lot of group of people, but she's actually kind of an unreliable narrator. Anyway, yeah. so she's dating him because he has a light skinned. Um, and one day, Alva and Benson are taking a jolly little walk, a romp, a rendezvous, if you will, through Harlem. And they run into Braxton, who's not at college. And. <laughs> <laughs> Still not in college, but okay. <laughs> Still not whatever. in college. Well, admitted, like, but just whatever. It's fine. Truly. And he's like, hey, Braxton. Braxton also was just like, I'm just so cute. He had this line where he was like, I mean, a specimen like me should be taken care of society- by society because I'm so cute. And I was getting real Oron High School host club vibes. Anyway. Mm. So Emma's like, where's Alva? And Braxton's like, I don't know, probably where he's always been. And so she's like, <gasps> and so she like runs over to Alva. And she's like, hey. And he's like, I missed you so much. And he's spinning her a whole line, a whole cake and ice cream mm-hmm. Sunday <laughs> lie, sweet as can be. Ooh. And Alva <laughs> is eating, I'm sorry, Emma is eating it up. And so she decides to move in and support also, him. Yes. Super quick, just to uh, say one quick thing. So, uh, not Gwendolyn, what's her name? Geraldine left Alva's ass. Oh, yeah. Like it was, yeah. He dropped his be. ass like it was hot. So, when Emma Lou swooped in, he's like, ooh, someone else to take care of me. Okay, boom. So, yeah, so Facts. that happened. Yeah, Geraldine, she had a whole plan. She was like, I'm going to pack myself, my stuff slowly over time, put it at my friend's house, and then yep. one day I just won't come back from work. And I was like, that's wow. Oh, she, had, she like had a man in Chicago or something like that. She right. was like, ooh, like, I'll just live with his ass when I get. Like, she had, like, blue oh, whole plan. It was wild. <laughs> I wish she had taken her son though. Daughter? Son. I think anyway. Yeah, I think they had a son. Um, so yeah. So I was like, yes, another person to take care of me. 
and Gwendolyn's like, because you know, um, Emma goes back to her apartment to get all her all of her stuff, and Gwendolyn is like, "What are you doing? You told me the story about this man, and he clearly doesn't actually love you, and he's clearly using you." Also, Alva's been like using her for money, which apparently he does with a bunch of people. He just yeah. like sweet talks a bunch of ladies, and they give him money. Which, I mean, I was gonna say like, get it how you live it, but actually, don't exploit people. <laughs> yeah, like nice. Al- like Alva's literally always had a rotation, and I'm like, you know. The ethics of a rotation is that, like, you know, people know what's up. You can't be telling a bunch of different people right. that they have this relationship with you when they don't know that there are other people who also have this relationship. With, like, you're breaking the agreement, but okay. Yeah. Also, I, uh, um. <laughs> and you are, like, weaponizing the fact that she's a dark-skinned woman against her. Okay, oh anyway, so oh Gwendolyn's like, so much. <laughs> Gwendolyn also was sitting there having this conversation with Marcy and Akko as they also sat, drank tea, and told um, Emma <laughs> these exact same facts. Right. But, and it was like, but I love him. And then... <laughs> But then, like, <laughs> Gwendolyn is like, you know what? Of course you would do that here. This is what dark-skinned black women do. Blah, blah, blah. And just goes off. And then Marcy and Akko also, like, got off the, the table where they were sitting with Gwendolyn. We're like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Actually, I was no. so with you. You know what? Uh, my Uber's outside. Point. Uh, <laughs> right? You know what? And they're like, wait, Uber girl, it's 1920. I'm like, my um, horse and carriage is outside. <laughs> like, Bitch, like, I gotta Marcy, go. Did you hear that the club had food? Do you want to? Is that where what we're going? Just, yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to go to the club. So we just went to the club where they have right, food. We, uh, and we just left the whole scenario. That was, yep, canon. Anyway, so. <laughs> Part 4.6. Marcy and I at the club. <laughs> anyway, so oh Emma leaves to go hang out with Alva and take care of his child on her dime. And him on her dime as well. <laughs> oh, my God. So. Because um, she, she became a teacher, though, right? At, the, at this Yes. Point? Yeah, she okay, became a yeah, teacher. Yeah. And then the people at the, the school are awful to her. And they're like, oh, she wears all this powder and makeup. But also, she's so dark and blah, blah. And I'm just like, why does oh, everyone God. in 1932 suck? I'm so confused. <laughs> everyone like, sucks. So why can't you just be normal? so awful. It's, like, I so honestly, I, was like, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just like, oh, my. Like, can we get a break? God damn. Yeah, like, it's heartbreaking. Oh, my God. So, Emma is doing all that and also alpha as he gets healthier and better is treating her awfully again and basically is like oh that woman is just the mammy to my son like she doesn't even not even i just was like um so and then uh, i just was so it was so much and emma was also like akko this is too much i'm having an existential (laughs) crisis and i was like sounds about right that tracks that tracks and so she's like what am I going to do? You know, like I can't, I, I've tried running across the U S trying to get away from this. And it, it seems like I can't escape it. And she's like, I guess I'm going to have to just like turn inward and love myself because the world's not going to, Oh wait, but before she has that um, epiphany, she's like, I'm going to go get my old life back. So she calls Gwendolyn and is like, Hey Gwendolyn, Hey Benson, what's up? And they're like, Ooh, we are trying to find you. And she was like, I know because you guys cared about how I was missing this last seven months. And they're like, right, right. We just wanted to know your address for the <laughs> wedding invitation between me and Gwendolyn that we are going to send you. And she's like, <laughs> yikes. So the same Gwendolyn that was like, I can't believe you didn't a light skin man. How you going to just, mm-hmm. how you going to settle like this? Mm-hmm. And her, Okay. Okay, yeah, okay. but okay. Gwendolyn, I feel like I don't know. There's a lot. There are layers. Um, yeah. So, um, anyway, so she's like, "Well, can't do that." 
um, guess I'll have my epiphany that Akka mentioned earlier. And then she's like, I'll probably leave Alba. That's probably the right choice. So she goes back to Alba's apartment where he is in the suggestive embrace with a man named Bobby. Um, And there's other people around partying and drinking. And I feel like they all kind of read the temperature of the room when Emma walked in and were like, time to go. And Bobby also was like, I also would like to leave this embrace and leave. But Alba was like, no, stay. I'm toxically masculine and I have the power in the space, even though and I don't. I was like, Bobby, girl, you got to get out, girl. Like, yeah, it's true. Oh, God. Anyway. Um, but anyway, so Emma almost gives in and relents. And it's like, oh, I should stay. Like, this is the Alva that I used to love. And you're like, yeah, but he wasn't great even back when you did love him, not to be honest. Uh, It's a very lukewarm relationship. But then she's like, nah, but you're not even that person anymore. And so she packs her stuff and she is gone. Mm -hmm. And that's where the book, that's where it ends, kids. That's the end of the story. That is the ending. There's probably like some more like tidbits that we forgot, but you know, it was jam packed. The last half was pretty jam packed with stuff. So, oh, yeah, it was like a lot of shit going on, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, but that's pr- that's the you know, that's, that's the, the essence of yeah. what happened. So, yeah, so we'll take one more break and then when we get back, we'll get into all the thoughts and feelings because oh my god, there are just mm. so many things. Um, Truly. see y'all in a bit. Yes. And we are back. Um, we are. Yes. For the discussion <laughs> section of this book. <laughs> yes. Sometimes our transitions are smooth like butter, and sometimes they're like rocks and gravel, you know. Right. Just, but different flavors for different days. Okay, so here Come we are right. in the discussion section. <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought I had overall, of course, of course, this is a great great book and and that it's well written, right? And it mm-hmm. is very poignant and it speaks to the facts of life and the experiences people have very strongly. And there's something almost uh, um, allegorical about the story. There's something, it, there's very much, it's a, it, not a satire. It's a bit of a satire. I think it's ex- exaggerated slightly, but mm-hmm. unfortunately not exaggerated enough. Cause this is basically how life is um, yep. in a lot of ways, even to this, to this day, uh, which is a little disappointing from society, but um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I I liked it. I did think the ending was a little rushed. I was like, this Gwendolyn, not Gwendolyn. Yeah, Gwendolyn also just showed up in the fifth act, and then the Geraldine (laughs) story just showed up at the end, and I was like, because, you know, the whole part one and two take place over, say, like, two months, maybe, and then there's a seven-month time skip in part five alone, and I was like, what? This is like a Naruto time skip situation. But anyway, um, right. so I did think the ending was a little rushed, but other than that, I think the story does really take a lot of time to discuss. It doesn't just, like, throw ideas at you. It gives people... For instance, like, the academic conversation between the groups is almost like a Socratic style where, like, different people are are used as conduits to speak to different points and philosophies and that gives the reader an insight into like um you know like different points of view during the time without just like spewing them at you <laughs> right like a dissertation and I, that's a very useful um literary technique obviously if plato did it it's not like a joke i guess but um so there's something well written about that and and a lot of people actually a lot of authors fail at that right they have the characters just espouse a thought Mm-hmm. as opposed to integrating it effectively into the story. So the writing is great. Um, 
I am sad. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of, um, I got to the end and I had wished, I, I think I, because I'm also dark skinned in the book, I was looking for a resolution. I, there, it was so accurate um, in its portrayal of so many things, not everything, so many things though, that I was looking for the ending to have something more, something, something that I could hold on to. And, and then I really had to think about it. And I was like, well, I think you have a different conclusion, one, than the book. And two, the book can't give you that solace because um, mm. I don't even know if America has that answer itself. Maybe it does. I don't know. The answer mm. is to love yourself. That's true. But it's there's still something. I don't know. I, I wanted, I got to the end and I did want something heartier, like yeah. ending wise. Anyway, what about you? What did you think? So I, I definitely echo a lot of what you said. Just the writing is is phenomenal. I mean, no one's surprised. <laughs> it's like, it's Zero just, people. It's, it's, of course, magic. Um. I think I will say it I do like the resolution that Emma Lou came to. Like I like that it kind of became like, okay, like, you know, maybe I should turn my attention inward and, you know, try to, you know, do the things. But I don't know. It's one of those things that it yeah, like I guess it's like it maybe is I I I don't know how you would demonstrate this, especially at the time, but it's just like I just wish the people changed because i feel like there's always this idea of like oh well like despite the bullshit like i'm just Mm. gonna like be above it and it's like but being above it is like that doesn't like people are still being shitty like it's like like, there should not be something that you have to be above to begin with like people just shouldn't spew this bullshit so like the fact that alva geraldine gwendolyn all these different people could just kind of like continue to be mediocre and spread these horrible ideas i'm like yeah emily that may not affect you and granted emily listen i get it you're like i'm just trying to live my life and survive and all of that and this is what i need to do to like you know make it each day and like you know like exist in this life with like love for myself i get that i'm not i'm not shaming her i'm really i'm literally looking at those around her and i'm like get y'all shit to what the fuck are y'all doing like honestly like what (laughs) so i i i guess i may i would have liked i guess to see sort of a Somebody Some kind of shift in the character, right? If somebody, yeah. you know, even, even Gwendolyn, even Gwendolyn, I'm like, we Gwendolyn, thought she, I, I like, I, I was really holding on to him. I hope I was like, oh my god, Gwendolyn, like, you're really doing the thing. And then she, the moment Emily did something that she didn't agree with, she mm-hmm. just spouted all that shit. And I was like, oh, so you was just wait, you were literally at the edge of your seat. Wait, like this, this read. It felt signed, sealed, and delivered. Like it yeah. felt premeditated. It felt pre-written. I was like, I don't. Yeah. And in how a way, is it so easy for you to say like all the shitty yeah. things to her just because like, but she didn't do what you. And in a way, you're the same. Like everyone, everyone. It's like the bluest eye. Everyone wants Emma Lou to take on their the baggage of their insecurities, and it's so Oof. annoying because you're right. just like. And this is true. I think in a lot of ways, society does want to give their baggage to someone. And and they choose the people who have the least amount of power to do that, too. But it's your baggage. It's yours. It's mm. it's yours. And maybe that's what the ending is saying. Like, Emma Lou's like, I didn't make this life out, but you made this life for yourself. I Right. We could have been together. I asked you right. to move in. You said no, which is fine. You don't have to move in. But don't act right. like I'm the one making your life like this. It's it's not her, you know? Exactly. So I cut you off. Continue. No, but um, no, absolutely. And, and it's interesting because I actually want to talk about Gwendolyn specifically because I was reading her character and I was like, okay, Wallace Thurman, I feel like you low-key putting a magnifying glass on me on the low because I feel like so. Okay. 
So I've never actually vocalized this ever, um, like ever. <laughs> so I'm going to try to find the words while I'm saying them. But there is some in Gwendolyn's character. I, I feel like I've met a lot of people like her where it's like mm. they're black. They're like lighter skin. So they definitely benefit from a layer of privilege. But there is this kind of like concerted effort to like be anti that and to be like blackity black black like they're like I am like like in my politics and in my how I navigate like I'm just gonna like I'm gonna center black people in the in the like be like just be very vocal and political in that way but even in doing so there's like a privilege in that because it's like you were a black person that has a lighter skin tone people like you it's like you were in this like racial dichotomy that we like I guess assume is the best way to frame it it's like you were closer to whiteness and mm-hmm. so you being able to be political in all these different ways it's like it's it doesn't track the same than if a darker right. skin person did that and so and that's something that even like I feel like in myself I've kind of done like where I'm like in like I'm not like a white passing black person, but I am. I'm. I would definitely say I'm like of a lighter skin tone, and so that's something that in my just life. Just go look I'm, at our profile pictures. Those are pretty yeah, accurate. Just, just look at our profile. Just, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, like she's giving you like I don't know. I don't know what color is best. It, whatever. So nice, you have like a cute, like not a cute, like a a nice like burnt caramel, but not a dark burnt. It's like yeah. a, a lightly toasted, if you will. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. Caramel Keep is going. a perfect. Caramel is perfect. <laughs> yes, I love that. A car- very give, very much giving you caramel, right? Um. And so in in my own life, I feel like that's something that, especially as I've gotten older and as I've matured in my own beliefs, I'm like, Mm. I've become, as I've become more aware of colorism and even just reflect and look at how colorism is like showed up in my life and in my family and just in how people talked about people, especially women in my life. It's something that I've tried to be more, I guess, intentional about and like work against and like, you know, just try to yeah frame my politics and like my relationships with others in a way that's intentional towards that. Um, yeah. And so it's just one of those things that it's like, I feel like there's this additional, just an additional t- an intentionality, right? Like there's mm. like a certain kind of like way of moving through, through through space and relating to other black people and showing up in like black spaces and like, you know, being an advocate for black people that it's just like, there's like a, there, there's something in Gwendolyn's energy that I was like, I very much can kind of like relate to relate this sort to. of like fervor and i think also too it's something t- where it's like when you're a black person that like when your politics are such where you're like very very much pro-black and like all the things and yet you kind of in a way that you don't necessarily like control or even desire sometimes to like benefit from like this closer mm-hmm. association to whiteness there is this like no i want to you know like it's like it's like i understand the kind of like there Wanting is almost like a performance Right, there's like a rejection, oh. but also there's almost like a performance. Like there's like a demonstrative, like oh, I am black, black, black. Like I like I'm trying to prove that I am like with black people in a way that I think that sometimes because like, again, it's like it's that privilege of choice, right? I think especially the the closer you are to you know being white passing and stuff like that, it's like there can there there can be a choice there in in terms of like how people associate you, right? Like it's like mm. people can if you're like a white passing black person and you choose to just disassociate from blackness altogether. And that's a choice you make. People may not necessarily even clock you or even notice that you're doing that. Whereas mm. it's like, if you're a darker skin, or they black might person, even reward you for doing it. Exactly. Whereas if you're a darker skin, black person, you don't really have that choice. It's like disso- yeah. like people are always go- are all always going to associate you with black people. And so I think yeah. that's just one of those things where it's like there's there's a there's a, there's a motion there. There's a sway. There's a like kind of like a decision making that I'm kind of like that's. I don't know, like I I hadn't really seen that explored before, and yeah. 
Not, I'm, I'm not sure what I just said, but, said, but like, that's something that I just, I no, thought, it does. you know, it, it, does. It, it was really, really interesting. And I was like, okay, Gwendolyn, like as much as I'm like, okay, wow, yikes, uh, Ak, are you trying to go to this club and eat this food and like dance, with, you know, whatever. <laughs> like I was also kind of like, okay, I can definitely under, I can see right your journey and my journey. I definitely see some intersections there as far as like your politics and the formation of, of them. So I was like, you're right. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and I and there's there's something in that the way she wants to be and the way she ends up being, um, and the way our politics fighting what the, the the narratives that you've been taught is not easy, right? And even in that academic conversation that they're having, someone points out like that the 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 colonel he said like racism and colorism is like religion. Um, I can't remember exactly, but he said, but the the kernel that allows us to discriminate is inside all of us. Um, mm. And I was like, and, and he was like, the longer you stay here, the more this is going to affect you. It, it's true, right? The longer you're, it is, in fact, the only way your life is, the more the in, these social structures become real. They they have, they decide your life in a way that's depressing. And, and I can't really, I'm, I'm dark skinned, so I cannot relate to Gwendolyn's struggle, but I, I mm. there's so much about Emma Lou's struggle that I, I can relate to in the sense that she was like, well, you can be dark, but you can't be dark and plain. You can't be dark and not intelligent. You know, the, mm. do you have to be exceptional, you know, to make an exceptions for yourself. And there's so many rooms that I walk into. I kid you not in my life now where I am, 50 shades darker than everyone else in the room and i think to myself mm-hmm. oh but for um some privilege other privileges i have i will not i would not be in the space you know but for perhaps mm-hmm. my wit which i take an incredible amount of pride in it, my mm-hmm. my <laughs> <laughs> truly truly and i've thought about it I, perhaps i take such an incredible amount of pride in it because marcy it's gotten me out of situations in which the fact that I am dark skinned would put me in a lower advantage. Like mm. there is truth to that. There's there's truth to that. There's so uh, much of that. Granted, we also live in a different time, but no. And the privilege of class, um, all these things, affect. But I I feel for Emma Lou, especially when people are talking such an academic way about something that 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 influences the fate of you. And I know we talked about choice earlier, but there is an intersection, like we said, of the choices society makes to chooses Mm -hmm. is is also a strong choice that makes your individual choice more difficult, Uh, you know, or it, you know, like Braxton's decision not to go to college is a, is a choice (laughs) Um, without much (laughs) consequence. Right. But like Emma's choices become so much harder at any given point because the the privileges aren't there for her to make mistakes or to Mm -hmm. try new, you know what I mean? Like, even getting kicked out of her apartment for being drunk, I don't know if they would have kicked out a light-skinned woman. Like, right. right? It was like this yeah. idea that immediately, the second she's drunk once, she is, and with a man once, she is a hussy, uh, undeserving of any, right. of a place to live. You know, the stakes can just be so high. Um, and it's so frustrating. And and, and the disdain of from other people and, and at certain instances can be so annoying. Um mm-hmm. And not even just annoying. I mean, I'm older now, and so I've I've gotten through a lot of it, and I've come out the other side. But it is pernicious how evil it is to do this to young people, especially young girls. And the mm-hmm. the girlhood, the coming of age that Emma Lou is not allowed is infuriating to me. Like, mm. she, this girl is 21 years old, and you all want to act like she is the problem with society. She is 21 years old at most. Right. And all the things she, like 
spews out of societal class and stuff are things that have obviously been taught to her and have like she has internalized because people have said like you are the lowest on this scale and this is the hierarchy and so when she spouts the hierarchy everyone's like emma lou <laughs> you're like you taught her the hierarchy why are you upset <laughs> it's just so again she's a flawed character in a lot of ways and i do think the answer which is where i kind of disagree with this book i do think that self-love is the important part but the next step the answer is to almost this is the revolutionary part and this is probably something hard that's t- something that's hard to do in 1930s but maybe not is to be like i don't i'm not doing this with y'all I, mm. i'm not doing this with you and she kind of says this when she's like well next time it'll be easier to like discern these things but there is happiness emma lou if she can find it like if Mm. but she has to turn away entirely from this society i i think like she which it's not that bad because all of these people they're not happy with their lives anyway braxton's not happy with his life alva's not happy with his life alva's going through who's truly he he's concerned about that i feel like he he talks about for a second that his mother left him um when he was a child or gave him up. I, I think he's, he feels a sense of being unwanted too, but instead of turning away from society's, I guess, valuing of them, they all kind of give in. And that's what it is. That's what colorism and racism in, is giving in to society's valuing for the power that it gives you in return. Mm. Reject it, people. <laughs> Reject it, all of us, not just the ones of us who have less advantages or who are more marginalized but if we all reject it it ceases to have power i think i don't know think marcy (laughs) (laughs) no i like absolutely agree like it's (laughs) like the thing is if i think the unfortunate piece about all of this right is that for those of us who are just so marginalized in this system you see all the ways that everything is just so absurd and so fallacious and so ridiculous and like it's like having stock in it just doesn't make sense at all. And I agree that it's like, you know, this kind of reflection, this kind of intentionality, this sort of just moving away from it altogether is something that like everyone needs to do, frankly. Because I'm like, I mean, yeah, Emma Lou's, again, it's like Emma Lou's story might end in a particular way, but it's like, there's so many people Mm. like her. And so like, it just needs to be a transferable thing where like, we just got to like snip the shit all together. And like this whole scarcity mindset, especially among black people of like, oh, like, we got to see what we can get and we got to like, you know, measure ourselves by like metrics of whiteness that we are literally why? never going to be like, we, why, why yeah. we're never, you we are never, never make it. we're never going to be good enough. It's ever. like the quicksand. You either it, sink slowly or quickly. It come on, but you're, you're going to sink period. And then there are going to be people, people who don't, they're just not on quicksand at all. And so it's so much better to just be like, you know what, let's just completely remove ourselves from this altogether because like, why uphold something that literally is aggressively not working and just causing harm in all these mm-hmm. different ways and it's like i don't know just the the potential that comes with you know being able to really truly celebrate like everyone in our community and really be like there for each other and like just move away from all this nonsense it's like could you like could you imagine like just like oh my god like just imagine? the magic like it's literally transcendent like i just i yeah so it's one of those things where i i definitely agree i feel like I'm getting irritated, I mean, too, because I feel like colorism is coming back. Like, I feel like it actually wasn't as strong in the mid 20th century up until the early 21st century. And then now it's kind of like made a reprised role, you know? I think probably I'm sure like the ubiquity of like, you know, well, I think it's twofold. Well, I guess it's it goes in either direction. But I was going to say, you know, with, you know, social media and like just this mm. kind of hyperconnectivity of and like the like, I mean, media has always been like very 
ever present in our lives. But I think especially with social media, it feels even more exaggerated. But I think even with that, there comes more spaces for people who aren't really visible to have communities. So I don't want to like completely show it. But it's also like, yeah, I think I do think that it does. There is this kind of like homogenizing effect on how we should see others, especially when it comes to like beauty and stuff like that, mm. that I think definitely lends itself to a very colorist <laughs> interpretation. And yeah, it's. We don't have to be this way, though. We don't. I just, I just, like, can we just, I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like this is about a lot of things in America. Can we just stop doing it? Like, I'm sorry. I've seen racist America. I've seen colorist America. What exactly are we gaining from this? I've seen homophobic America. I've seen transphobic America. What is the point? Why don't we just, why don't we just do other things? Like, we don't live that long. Why don't we just make our existence? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think we need to do this anymore. I think we can imagine a different world. Yeah, I, I agree. And hopefully the Color Pages Book Club is, you know, this, like that, I I think that kind of like, yeah, exploration of imagination is something that we do. And it's something that, you know, I I love, you know, sort of the way that we practice that here. So not to be like, we are saving the world. (laughs) We're actually the cure. But like, I don't know, I think a similar, (laughs) just like approach, like, yeah, the approach towards imagination, I think would, would help pretty much everyone um so yeah i will say also just i guess to, on a slightly lighter note um i thought that some of the slang in the book was really interesting like i Me felt very too. like oh like okay like giving you bees knees and shit like that they didn't say bees knees but one of the expressions that they said was um like uh, so i only found like men saying this but I, I didn't think it was like a particular i'm not sure if it's a particularly gendered way like way of communicating but they would say things like like for example when alba was talking about like emma lou and was like oh like basically when he was saying like oh like she's like really great like i really like her all of that he, he would always be like oh yeah like she's 40 with me like this whole like be, someone being 40 with you is like oh like they're really dope to you they're really agreeable they're really fun like, i don't know like i just found that yeah. kind of cute i was like oh like okay so maybe in the future i'll be like oh such and such as you know 40 with me and everyone would be like <laughs> so we're in the year 2020 like i know you read like wallace thurman and i know you think that you're doing this like harlem renaissance thing but like we're in the future bitch like here we are in the future girl <laughs> like what it's like trying to make fetch happen um. exactly <laughs> it's like literally it's like so you're trying to bring back 40 with and watch it become like i feel like it'll track i feel like someone would be like you could do it you could I do like it I, I feel like we could bring it back you know so yes uh i did i did some of the 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 um, dialogue felt like a warm blanket in a lot of ways. It felt mm. like old school, but also I don't know. It just felt very jazzy and cute, but not in the appropriated way, in like the yeah. authentic way. Anyway, come on. <sighs> but yes, so this book, you know, it's. I mean, it. It's frustrating it's hard, in the sense that good. the characters. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 hard to read in a, in a lot of ways, but it is really good and i think that you know the characters are really fucking frustrating but i you know with Lou and everything i'm like okay i feel like we reached it somewhere at the end you know it was it was certainly worth the the exploration i definitely think it's one of those books that i'll i'll probably reread in like i don't know five I agree. Or 10 years and just be like let's see where we land reading it this time now. and i still think there's like a lot i'm still digesting about the book absolutely absolutely yeah. um i mean she's like Gwendolyn, I'm like, oh, girl, let me let me meditate <laughs> and reflect. Let me think about this. Let me just. So. Um, so, yes. I feel like the quote that you have, because we share a document and I can see Marcy's quote, really wraps up this section really well. And I think you should read it. Yeah. So this is a quote that essentially was happening when Emma Lou was having her epiphany at the end of the book. Um, so essentially, the, the, the quote reads. So when, when it says she, they're, they're talking about Emma Lou. So it says... 
What she needed to do now was to, ac- was to accept her black skin as being real and unchangeable, to realize that certain things were, had been, and would be, and with this in mind, being begin life anew, always fighting. Not so much for acceptance by other people, but for acceptance of herself for herself. Or, sorry, by herself. So, I just thought that was really, just a really good way of, like, summarizing the lesson of the book. And I yeah. was like, you know what? This is this is a message we can go with. Come on, Wallace Thurman. You did it's that. It's true. Also, you know what? In actuality, everyone has to learn to accept themselves. And while ch- no one else is doing it either. And so the fact that she came to this conclusion, I think it puts her, you know, like in a good, a better place than a lot of people. Because the, the, the reason people are colorists is in fact because they are running from the unchangeable mm. reality of that time period, which is that, you know, the civil rights movement isn't going to get any real headway till 1968, which is like 30 years from then. You know what I mean? There is a reality right. of that. So, yeah, I agree. I think there's something beautiful about saying, like, this is the problem, but it does not mean on a transcendental level that I have to accept it. Um, exactly. Well, uh, yes. if you're like, actually, I've written a whole dissertation on the Black of the Berry and its relation to pop culture in the 21st century. We'd like to hear all about it. We will. You can tell us at Twitter, at The Color Pages, or on Instagram, at mm. These Color Pages. Correct. Um, also, if you want to know what book we're reading, you can see that too on our website and on our Instagram. And if you want to email us. And, and Twitter. Us, all and our Twitter. <laughs> Everything. It's, it's you can see our books. There's a- <laughs> find the link. <laughs> <laughs> and you can email us and say things like, Marcy and Akko, we really enjoyed this beautiful review that you did. Or you can say, Marcy and Akko, you are incorrect. <laughs> None of the things you said are facts. Garbage. <laughs> trash. And it's like, you know, <laughs> it's nice to just hear from y'all. So It's true. Yeah. You can check out our website at thesecolorpages.com. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you know, if this episode or the show in general has brought you any sort of light, love, laughter, anything of that nature, and you know anyone that might benefit from just listening to the episode, feel free to just pass it along, you know? Just Ooh. scoot it on. You know, just like a hot potato. Little, push it along. Just you know, a little forward to somebody else. Also, you know, wherever you were listening to podcasts, I know earlier we were like, Apple Podcasts, like, woo! But like, honestly, wherever you listen to this podcast, Truly anywhere. if you feel the need, it, it, you know, any comments, rating, reviews, things of that nature, always appreciated. We are never True. mad at that because we just—it's just good to hear from y'all. Also, um, since we're bringing back, you know, the books that we're reading in the future, so our next book that we'll be reading in two weeks is the first part of "When the Moon Was Ours" by Anna Marie McClamore, which is Ooh. my pick. So yeah, so Black of the Berry was Akko. So this is this is one of my choices, and it's like a magical realism why a like sort of romance story that's just really, really, the take on it is just really, really beautiful. We got roses growing out of people's skin, people painting moons in the sky, all types of shit. It's going to be cute. Ooh, it's going to be cute. Excited. So get excited. Um, but yes, aside from that, Akko, is there anything we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, I just think until we see you next time, remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.